Welcome Pastor Jared Mackey, Mother Liz Costello, Dr. Reverend Bifford. Thanks for joining us today. Doctor, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a delicious beverage known as Diet Cola. Mother Liz, what are you drinking? I'm drinking what some would call mommy juice and others would call a white wine. <laughs> Pastor Jared, what are you drinking? Uh, a little Italian aperitif this morning. Very nice. I'm drinking the Briar Common Brewery and Eatery Chai Old Fashioned. I'm gonna read these statistics to you, then I'm gonna ask you some questions about it. So Centers for the Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, National Survey of Family Growth, this was for 2015 through 2017, found that 85% of women and 90% of men aged 15 to 49 reported having had premarital sex. Some of those statistics are, um, what I see in that is people finding their significance in a relationship outside of a relationship with God. And so when that person disappoints you, guess what? Well, I can move on to the next person or I can move on to uh, the, next, the next letdown and hopefully I'll find somebody who can fulfill me. Hmm. A courting situation might be good, but I think when you start dating people, you're giving away a piece of your heart that belongs to the person who's finally gonna be your husband mm -hmm. or finally gonna be your wife. You're giving that away. And so when you finally meet somebody, you go, hey, well, I can only offer you 27% mm -hmm. of my heart. Now, I would push back on that one uh, respectfully yeah. because my uh, spirituality would say that grace actually fills you back up to 100%. So you may be able to offer grace but there's a lot of baggage that comes with that grace. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think the reason that I bring it up, Biff, is because I grew up with this idea that if I just showed up not messing up, then I would show up healthy. And I think, you know, the, the, the tension point here that I think we're talking about is the church's sexual ethic um, has not proven to be super helpful for a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people who have a lot of shame and guilt around kind of the sexual ethic that the church has taught. On the other side of the coin, the culture of sexual ethic actually has not produced anybody particularly healthy either, right? So I think we kind of have to hold these two things and it's not a zero sum game. The Pew Research Center study of 4,860 U.S. adults conducted in October 2019 suggests that 65% say premarital sex is at least sometimes acceptable. The largest and perhaps most revealing difference is found between those who attend religious services at least once a week and those who don't. And those percentages are 55% versus 14% opposed. Religiosity is the strongest explanation for this. You know, I love these statistics because what the church writ large, I think, really needs to wrestle with is there are Christians who are having active premarital sex and aren't coming to the church because they feel so guilty. Right. One thing that I love about the Episcopal Church is honestly, like, we don't need, as a priest, I, when I do premarital counseling, most of the people, women who are getting married, men who are getting married, men and women getting, whatever the combination, they're living together already. They're coming to me, they're asking, will you bless this union? And so the Episcopal Church has kind of straddled it to say, is it God's best for you guys to be in a married relationship? Yes. 
but we didn't always offer that for gay people. So we can't get upset <laughs> that all these gay people didn't want to get married because we didn't say that we would bless their union um, or bless their marriage, which is where we are now, which may be different from some of my, um, my brothers here. But what we did say is that we have a difference of opinion, that it's God's best for you to be two consenting adults in a monogamous relationship that is marked by fidelity, reciprocity, unity, love, mutuality. I mean, these are the sort of markers. But in terms of like, as a priest, am I wondering who's sleeping with who? Like, I really don't care. You know, for us, the conversation is really like, how are you treating the poor? <laughs> how are, I mean, the harder, sex to me is the easy issue to talk about and we can get so sidelined by it. But for me, it's like, what is our dependence on capitalism that is denying the dignity of human beings? So, so my friends who don't participate in religious communities could really care less what the church says yeah. about sexuality from, from my vantage point. Yeah. Um, so I actually think you know, the teachings of uh, the early church were very clear. We don't actually have anything to say about what the rest of the culture is doing, right? So there's really no place for the Christian community to make commentary on the culture writ large. Uh, the responsibility of the Christian community is what is our sexual ethic. Uh, we have a responsibility to how are we living out issues of both morality and, to your point, justice. Okay, and last statistic. According to another recent Pew report, the share of the population that is religiously unaffiliated, atheist, agnostic, claiming no faith or belief in, disbelief in God or nothing in particular, stands at 26% as of 2019, up from 17% just a decade earlier. Our job, our really our only job, is to prepare people that are going to be added to the numbers of people who will, be, who will worship God throughout all eternity. So we don't we really are, we are to look different than the rest of the world. Our, our morality and our ethics are different. So the Bible is clear about what it says about human sexuality and what it says about sanctity of life. Not so much the do's and the don'ts, but what are, the stand, what are, what are God's standards uh, for how we live? And I guess for me, you know, for the Episcopal Church, it's the both and, because the greatest commandment, as we all know, is to love the Lord thy God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so for us, our personal piety matters with God. I mean, when you're baptized, you are asked, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I mean, it's very salient words. And I'm sure it is for you all, too, but how it gets lived out, it's slightly different, right? And around sexuality is unfortunately where I think we can become more divided than united in our overall mission. Hi, my name is Biff Gore, and I'm one of the pastors at Highline Community Church. Hello, my name is Mother Liz Costello. I'm an Episcopal priest at St. Gregory's Episcopal Church in Colorado. Hi, I'm Jared Mackey. I serve as the executive director of the Sacred Grace. It's a small family of churches here in Denver, Colorado. I'm married to the Reverend Joseph Leniak. I know our poor kids, Evelyn and Damien, have two priests for parents, so PK times two. The father of an 11-year-old daughter named Kenna. I've been married to my wife Marilyn for 25 years and we have seven beautiful children. Thank you so much for joining us on Holy Highball. Well, let me ask you this though, because I, I mean, we can, we've talked about sex, 
theoretical, how, you know, it's, it's not the forefront when really there's connection and need and all of these things. It becomes very spiritual, but really at the end of the day, we're not pursuing people just because we like them. We are pursuing people because they're beautiful or we're attracted to them. There's se their sexual compatibility. Like, I mean, you're not just looking for a warm body that's gonna make you feel good. You are looking for, you know. <laughs> Biff, Biff looks at her. I don't want your warm body, Biff, to keep me warm. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's what you're. <laughs> I mean, because there's lots of warm bodies available, right? But we're talking about compatibility and sexual compatibility is very important, right? So let's talk about that. If we can, let's just put that on the table. Let's talk about that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, did you see that? That was a little stumbling around there. Um, so when my marriage ended, uh, I didn't date for the first several years, for probably four years. And then a uh, mentor asked me, you know, are you ever going to date? And, and so I was averaging about one person a year and he's like, you need more at bats. Uh, and so I did the dreaded join a dating app um, and like went through that swipe left, swipe right thing, which I don't think is great for your soul because you uh, have to at some point acknowledge the fact that somebody else is swiping left or swiping right on you. And like I was trying to explain it to my middle school, I was like, this is basically like the bachelor on steroids. Like everybody has limitless options, but you are a part of everybody's limitless options, right? And so the, the illusion is like, I've got all these people who are interested in me, but the reality is, is everybody who's swiping left or swiping right is thinking the same illusion, which is like, I have all these people who are interested in me. And I think that that, to me, at least the compatibility issue, usually at least you have to start with the grass is greener on the other side is, is part of the, the illusion or the lie um, that there is someone like more idealistic um, for you. I think compatibility usually comes down to communication. I think Biff was talking about it earlier. Um, that, that said, if there's not a spark, like uh, this last year, uh, my mentor uh, challenged me. He's like, well, how many you know, dates are you gonna go out? And I was feeling particularly brassy that day. And I said, uh, well, I'm gonna go out on 20 dates in 2020. And then we had like a pandemic. Uh, and, he, and he said like, I don't want excuses, I want results. And so, um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I got 25 dates in, in 2020, which I feel like was respectable. Um, and I met a lot of really interesting people. And there's some people that I had more connection with and there were some people that I didn't have connection with. And I think, I, I, maybe in my interpretation of compatibility is like long-term connection. Yeah. I'm just an odd duck because I actually can, I um, discern celibacy. I, I thought about being a nun when I was young. And so for me, the idea of celibacy, you know, if God forbid my husband ever died, like wouldn't be off the table for me. So, and it's not because I'm not a sexual being, I am, but um, it's just a way of life for me that like my sense of alignment and sense of call and mission mm. to be a minister kind of overrides that. And like, let me be clear, when Paul is giving instructions to be celibate, <laughs> it was like he thought the parousia was coming. He thought the end of the world was coming, right? So he was just like, hang on a little bit, just like, yeah. you know, we're almost there. Jesus is coming back, you know? <laughs> so for me, like com sexual compatibility is something that I think and I've never been single and in this position, so I own that, but um, it's just something for me that I've had to figure out with my partner, right? So it's a, you know, in the bedroom conversation, it's comical, it's embarrassing, it's vulnerable, it's beautiful, you know, but it's 
Honestly, I wonder, like, could you not be compatible with anyone? Like, sex isn't the only thing about a relationship. What if your husband gets um, prostate cancer and then your whole entire sex life is going to look... What if your wife has, you know, ovarian... I mean, so there are all these ways in which we can still express our sexuality with somebody without, like, the overemphasis on, like, literally, what are you doing with your genitalia, you know? Right. For me, I think no one's sexually compatible when you first when you first meet or get married, right? I mean, think about how awkward your marriage was when you first got married. It was like, uh, what am I supposed to do with this? And you know what I mean? I mean, literally, like, initially, when you talk about sexual compatibility, am I attracted to you when I first look at you? Well, that's just human sexuality, right? Because you look at people and you go, wow, okay. Um, you have some things that I lust after. If, if you're asking from that standpoint, the other piece of that is how do we communicate in the bedroom? How are we communicating so that if your needs aren't being met, how can I meet your needs? The, the problem with those statistics that you read is that people just give up too quick. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, think about it. I have family members that are fighting against each other because one person got the white meat and the other person wanted the dark meat at Thanksgiving. And marriages break up because um, somebody lost a job and they couldn't get another job that meet, met the same uh, financial requirements had nothing to do with sex. You could have the hottest sex life in the world and, and on under under earth, but when it comes down to the real stuff that people are real, that people really put a lot more emphasis on, like money and um, compatibility of ethics. Man, those are deal breakers for some people. On that note, tip your bartender well, speak the elephant out of the room, and join us again for another Holy Highball. Cheers. Cheers. This episode of Holy Highball is sponsored by Whistling Hair Distillery, an award-winning grain-to-glass distillery located in Westminster, Colorado. Find out more by visiting us online at whistlinghair.com. Whistling Hair Distillery. Whistle responsibly. <laughs>